The blast from our past network. This week on Talking Back, I thought Snake Plissken was dead. Talking Back. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Talking Back, the podcast where we like to chat about past achievements in movies, comics, video games, and more. I am your host, Tim, and with me this week is Dean. Dean, how is it going, man? It's going really good, Tim. It's going it's going really well. Um, I'm pumped to be on the podcast today. Thanks for having me on. You're welcome. Well, you're one of the hosts, so... Oh, oh right. I, I, I usually expect you to make it unless I tell you otherwise. Right. Right. <laughs> Whenever I'm not here, it's because I could not do it. That's right. Yeah. Uh, it's just you and me this week, Dean. Okay, cool. Because I think we lost all of our listeners after our Strange Brew episode. Oh, did we? <laughs> okay. Yeah. I don't think anyone's listening anymore. <laughs> oh, so it's just, this is just for us. This is for us, but we can say whatever we want right now. Yeah. I mean, we were we were doing that before anyways, but. You tried to line up a guest and they declined. They pulled out after hearing that Strange Brew. No, the the listeners pulled out. <laughs> right, but like a, a guest as well. Oh, a guest? Yeah, we had a guest lined up, right? And they, they just pulled out because they, they heard our strange brew and they're like, ah, no thanks. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, they're like, yeah these guys don't know what they're doing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was a high profile guest for sure. Yeah. Yeah, we had Kurt yeah. Russell. He was going to be on. He was going to be on this episode, yeah. yeah. I guess we'll spill the beans. Yeah, he was going to um, be on. Unfortunately, he heard our strange brew episode and... Um, he did not get it. He did not like it. He pulled out. He pulled out. He liked your accent, and he was uh, horrified with with mine. And, oh uh, well. He, he he wanted to do just a one on one with you, but you you declined. <laughs> no, which was very nice of you. Yeah, only uh, me and my brother package a deal to come That's together. Right. No, I was very flattered by by that. Mm-hmm. Um, Dean, how how was your week? Bit of a short week because we had that uh, Canada Day bonus episode plopped right in the middle of it yeah it's uh it was nice nice to have a short week how, how was your canada day it was great tim i spent it watching movies the entire day that's so perfect like what a great canada day yeah it's a week right after my uh my birthday and i like to watch movies on my birthday but i couldn't this year because it fell on a wednesday and i was really busy at work so i couldn't watch movies all day so i said you know what a week later i'll watch movies all day you want to uh, cue me and the listeners into what might be on that that list? On on the movies that were watched? On the movies, yeah, that you watched. I watched Endgame. I watched Us. I watched Knives Out. And I watched Ad Astra. All my favorite movies oh, wow. of last year. Wow. Well done. Yeah. Thanks, man. It was a great day. That sounds like a great day. Um. My invite must have got lost. I didn't. It didn't end up making it. Oh shoot! To my Cause, mailbox because like I but... sent it. I sent it out. Um. It, yeah. It, yeah. I must not got it delivered. That's that. That's okay. Uh, Dean, we're gonna talk about Escape from New York today. Awesome. That's a fun thing to talk about. It's a. It's a great thing to talk about, Tim. It's super fun. Love this movie. It's one of my favorite. Like lie on the couch on a Saturday afternoon with nothing to do and just watch it. And totally. Eat some candy. It's perfect for that. I kind of re-fell in love with this movie, this watch around. I liked it as a kid. Um, It was kind of one of those movies that I recorded on like VHS 
and labeled a different name so dad wouldn't know what it was. Prancer. And then and then I'd watch it and I liked it, but Big Trouble in Little China was always my favorite. Like that was way better. So that was always the one I went to. It had a kind of for me it had a similar vibe, but Big Trouble was lighter. And it was it was more it was more what I was into as a kid. So I watched that way more. But every now and then I'd throw an escape from New York and I liked it. Mm. This time, like this revisit, oh my goodness. I'm I'm in love with this movie, Tim. Totally. So I'm a bit older than you, so I think it hit me a little bit more in my sweet spot when I was younger. Definitely. And just the atmosphere that's going on in this movie is so fascinating to me. I just it really grabbed me and captivated me and I just I love it. So, Dean, this movie released in 1981 with a budget of 6 million dollars and it grosses 25 million. Great job. That's excellent. Yeah. Excellent. Now directed by John Carpenter. And I thought I'd call out to the cinematography. It's our buddy Dean Cundy on this one. Yes, I saw that in the credits. Yeah, we talked about uh, Dean on a a few episodes, most recently on our Jurassic Park episode where he was the cinematographer and also boat crew member. Right. Remember that. Right. He was boat crew member, right? He was was on that uh, CRT screen. (laughs) Exactly. <laughs> so, coming off um, of making Dark Star in 74, Carpenter writes Escape from New York. And he said it was a, a reaction to the Watergate scandal. And his, right. comment, okay. his comment on that was, the whole feeling of the nation was one of real cynicism about the president. So, after seeing the movie Death Wish... Carpenter is inspired to create a sci-fi movie that portrays New York as a kind of jungle. He eventually finishes the screenplay, he shops it around to different studios, but the consensus feedback is that it's too violent, it's too scary, and it's just plain old too weird. Hmm. I mean, like, sign me up for those. Yeah, totally. Too violent, too scary, and too weird? It sounds amazing. It sounds great. It sounds right in our zone, Tim. (laughs) It turned out to be amazing, so. Yeah. Um, But anyways, Carpenter has to put it on the back burner and moves on to some other projects um, with the full intention of returning to Escape from New York at a later time. Okay, cool. Now, that, that's. I'm just going to interject for a second. That's yeah, really please. cool to hear that he had that this idea, um, you know, back in the 70s, well before this movie came out. Because when I was watching it, I really got a um, Mad Max Road Warrior vibe. And I was like, oh, this, this movie is indebted to Road Warrior. And then I looked it up and I was like, they came out the same year. It, it may have just, like Carpenter may have just had some of these similar ideas before. And to hear that he, you know, conceived of the, the script back in, in 70. 74, I think you said, right? Dark Star was released in 74. And then after that, he wrote... So it could have been 74, 75, 76, somewhere in there. Yeah, somewhere in there. But to have those ideas early on, um, I, I do think that this is, you know, 100% Carpenter in here and maybe maybe not any of uh, uh, George Miller. I would agree with that. I, I, like I, I feel the similarities that you're talking about. And I, I think that those similarities probably just come with production and how movies are created, mm-hmm. um, you know, without a lot of special effects involved. They just kind of have this, um, like a grungy type, uh, type feel going on in them. Yeah. So a really raw type of type totally. Of feel. Yeah. And like a lot of, a lot of, um, focus sort of on like how characters look and even just like characters who are kind of in the background. Yeah. Where you're like, I'm just going to see that guy walk by and I know there's a story behind that guy. Like the 
Carpenter knows that guy's past. And I feel that when I watch uh, Miller movies as well. Like when I'm watching those Mad Max movies, I'm like, okay, that guy was just in the background of that shot. I'm sure that guy's got a backstory. Right. They're very intentional. Yeah. Yeah. So after the excess of Halloween in 78, the studio Avco Embassy signs Carpenter to a two movie deal. And the first movie is The Fog. And the second movie is Escape from New York. Cool. Now, Carpenter immediately encounters difficulty trying to create a decaying and destroyed version of New York City on such a low budget. Uh, he and production designer Joe Alves of Jaws fame, right? they need to brainstorm some ideas. And they both end up rejecting the idea of actually shooting in New York because it's going to cost way too much money to actually make New York look like destroyed, right? Totally. You got to um, shut down the city to make it look like that. Yeah, right. Good luck with that on that budget. Yeah. And uh, Carpenter suggested possibly shooting on a back lot, but Alves um, rejected that idea because like a back lot just wouldn't have the same authentic feel as a real street. Mm -hmm. So they decide to send their location manager on a tour across the country looking for the worst city in America. (laughs) Wonderful. (laughs) Yeah. And the winner is East St. Louis. (laughs) Sorry, East St. Louis. It's not really their fault, though, because um, like a few years before that, there was a major fire in East St. Louis. So a lot of that neighborhood had been abandoned, which just makes it a perfect fit. So Totally. That is perfect. And that's why it looks so good. Yeah. Yeah. We're not talking smack on East St. Louis here. Yeah. We love you, St. Louis. Um, I've been there a few times. Very nice city. But look, you you, you fit the bill as yeah. the abandoned um, rundown uh, streets we needed here tim i'm gonna say you are wearing a st louis hat right now that's a good call dean i am you are repping st louis right now i i am yeah but this movie looks great it does look great uh one of the reasons it looks great dean is because the movie was filmed over a two and a half month period all at night cool the crew basically never saw daylight for two and a half months Wow. Yeah. Uh, Carpenter was able to get the city to, like, shut down. Um, it was, I think it was roughly 10 blocks Oh yeah. of electricity uh, every night so that the streets would be just completely dark. And, uh, yeah, they would also take dump trucks to the dump and fill them up and bring wow. the garbage back and just lay it all over the streets to make that, like, on... Um, authentic type of feel yeah so like did they have to then bring that garbage like back to the dump in the morning or like was it was it shut down was it just um i think they were going to different areas so they probably like since what they said was they shut down 10 city blocks of electricity each night so i imagine they were kind of moving from location to location so they may have been able to leave their garbage for a while maybe the whole two and a half months i don't really know i didn't um dig up anything on that yeah but 100 percent, they would have had to clean it up like when everything was said and done so <laughs> yeah yeah awesome. but it just adds to uh the atmosphere in the movie yeah it's cool it's really good so carpenter uh always wanted kurt russell for the leading role and russell really wanted it because at this time he was trying to shed his image as a disney lead yeah uh he had roughly 10 disney movies up to this point okay so he was wanting to get rid of that yeah um the studio wasn't really interested in him for that reason they instead would rather have had charles bronson tommy lee jones nick nolte or jeff bridges 
Uh, such obvious choices coming from the studio. Yeah, I know, right? Carpenter wins out, though, and we get Kurt Russell. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Now, Kurt Russell describes the character of Snake as a mercenary with the fighting style of Bruce Lee, the Exterminator, and Darth Vader, and a vocal likeness to Clint Eastwood. Yeah, could definitely get that. Yeah, definitely. And all that matters to Snake? Dean, what do you think all that matters to Snake is? Get out alive. No. All that matters to Snake is the next 60 seconds. Oh, oh, that's good. That's good, hey? That's fucking good. Yeah. Um, I love Snake. I love this character, man. Yeah. Do you know who else loves Snake, Dean? Uh, You? Me as well, but also Kurt Russell. Oh, perfect. Good. Kurt, Kurt Russell has said that Escape from New York is the favorite of all his movies. Awesome. And Snake was also his favorite character. That's so cool. He, he really, really loved this one. I, I love that. I, I think this character um, makes Jack Burton way better because he plays this character, because he plays Snake and plays like such the tough guy. It makes Jack Burton way funnier that he just like is in that movie and is like a fool. Um, and also, I just need to go back to our Valentine's Day episode where my 80s crush was Jack Burton in Big Trouble in Little China. I may have misspoken. I may have been wrong. I think it could be Snake Plissken. Really? Snake is looking fine in this movie. He is looking fine. He looks like the coolest G.I. Joe character that you could ever get. Definitely. Like if, he was, if he was purchasable, he would have been the one that everybody wanted to buy. He looks so cool in this. Yeah, he's got the hair. He's got the eye patch, those pants he's wearing. He looks mm. so cool. He looks great. So uh, it's at least it's at least a tie back to our Valentine's Day episode. It's at least a tie between Jack Burton and Snake Plissken. Okay. Well, maybe next Valentine's Day we do something similar and you can clarify for the listeners. Perfect. Who is your crush? Now, Kurt Russell tried to stay in character between takes um, with everything except the eye patch because he said he couldn't really see with the eye patch on. So he had to take right. it off. I mean, it makes sense. It makes sense. Uh, he also was the one who created the idea of the eye patch. He just oh, cool. thought he thought it would fit the character of Snake and just showed up on set with it. Love it. And Carpenter Carpenter loved it too. So Dean, James Cameron was a director of photography on the movie and created several of the matte paintings that were used in the film. And dude, these matte paintings in this movie are off the hook. They're insane. Tim, that's amazing. They look so I did, cool. I did not know that. And I love the matte paintings in this movie. I was going to comment on them. They look great. That is so cool that James Cameron was on the movie. Yeah, I know. That was very, very interesting. I didn't know that uh, either until just recently. Awesome. Wow. Yeah, they look great. I, I love matte paintings. I love like, I, I know you can kind of like tell that it's just a painting, but I think it looks so cool. I think maybe because we're big comic book readers, we just like seeing like art that's in, in the background. I just think it sets the scene and it looks really cool. I don't need it to look real. Right. Even though it like does like it, it, it looks as real as I guess a painting can look. Yeah, in this movie, it helped that everything was at night. So the matte paintings are totally. kind of like they're not yeah. fully lit. And they, you know, maybe some of the um, the mistakes in, in the in the painting might not be exaggerated as much in the darks. But yeah. whatever the case was, these were absolutely incredible matte paintings. That's a good point. That's a good point, Tim, because if I ever made a comic book, it would be strictly to be read in the dark. Right. Just so you could not see any of the detail. So you could draw your comic book and then before you print it, you like add 
an 85 percent layer of black over top of everything yeah yeah and yeah then totally you, then you release it <laughs> yeah perfect <laughs> just call it a style choice yeah 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 everything's just really dark that's right yeah that's cool okay so um the people uh, we've got involved in this movie here we have kurt russell who we've mentioned obviously is snake Pliskin. we have lee van cleef as bob hawk i love the name bob hawk so yeah. i'm gonna call him bob hawk this whole time okay perfect um we have ernest borgnine as cabbie we've got isaac hayes as the duke harry our boy harry dean stanton yeah, as man. the brain fucking crush the brain the beautiful adrian barbeau as maggie great in this movie and donald pleasance as the president awesome this is a this is an excellent cast is it excellent. really is it really is like lee van cleef uh just is so good he just crushes this movie nobody does not crush in their role in this movie yeah very true everybody in their role is so great yeah dean i love seeing at the beginning of a movie directed by john carpenter and starring kurt russell it just makes me feel happy inside with the caveat of uh, Escape from L.A. That gives me right. a different type of feeling. Right. Movie I've actually never seen. I oh, never no? went and watched that one. No. Okay. Well, I, I, ha- I didn't think it was Carpenter until I just looked it up like yeah. before this movie. And I was like, oh, it was Carpenter. How did I not watch that? How did I miss that one? Yeah, I, I think because it was terrible. Um, I just remember being so into it at the time and I saw it in the theater. And even like a movie that was probably made for my uh, demographic just completely and utterly failed for me i just yeah. left thinking that was such a pile of garbage right um, but maybe it needs maybe it needs a rewatch i don't know yeah you're right though the carpenter russell duo i mean we've we've run down my top 10 before and two and three are that combination that's right it's a great combination yeah so in the movie it's 1988 and the crime rate is up 400 percent. that is a lot of crime that's that's a lot man that's that is a lot what do you do with that kind of crime dean um you throw everybody into one city that's right you throw everybody into manhattan island and it becomes a maximum security prison for the entire country and you contain it with a 50-foot wall protected by uh police who are ready to shoot you yeah yes (laughs) and they um, are definitely and like they show that i mean you'll get to it but they show they are ready to shoot you even if you listen to them they like shooting you they love it um, there's no police inside of the prison, and once you go into the prison, you cannot come out. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That whole um, narration that we just heard there was done by Jamie Lee Curtis. Yes, which was, I did uh, hear that. Was really cool. That's that, awesome. Uh, yeah, it's awesome. She wasn't credited, but it was her voice. Right. This is after Halloween, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. okay, cool. The opening... And the idea behind this movie always fascinated me. Like as a younger viewer, when I would watch this or whenever I was about to watch it, I'd always kind of like place myself in that situation and wonder what I would do in that situation. Um, We all know that younger Tim would have done just fine because I had that little duffel bag of mine full of like uh, handcuffs and firecrackers and keys and cap guns and uh, I'd take it wherever I went. So as long as I could sneak that over the wall with me, I was going to do just fine. Tim, I thought about that duffel bag. That's <laughs> so you? weird. I thought about that duffel bag when I was watching this. I don't know why, but I was like, 
Because it's like what you would would want. Really handy right now. (laughs) It had everything you'd need to survive (laughs) this prison. So you carried it with you just in case you, as a eight-year-old, was going to get arrested and thrown into some sort of city that was a prison. Yeah, you never know as an eight-year-old when you're going to do the wrong thing and have to pay the maximum price for it. You never know. (laughs) So now it's 1997. Yeah. And we get a quick scene of some prisoners trying to escape Dean. And this is where the police just blow them to shit. So Yeah, like, I feel like the the police is like, you got to turn around right now. I feel like they were paddling the other way. I think they were starting to turn around. They had no time to do anything. It's just like, (laughs) the guy like looks up like he just heard voices and then they just get shot down. Boom, blown. Uh, But I like what it establishes. And that's that the police are not farting around here, right? Like this is a serious situation and uh, the prisoners are meant to stay in. So don't even try, right? I, I, I don't mind what they're trying to achieve there. Um, we're at Liberty Island Security Control. Now, Escape from New York is actually the first film that was ever allowed to film at Liberty Island where the Statue of Liberty is. Oh, cool. Wow. So we meet Kurt Russell's character of Snake Plissken, who's been captured and is in police custody. Mm -hmm. But luckily, Dean, he hasn't been gunned down yet. Yes, that is lucky. And Tim, Tim, why did they tell us why he's been captured? Um, they do tell us why. Right, but they don't really show us a scene. No, we we don't really get it. Which it is... was um it was that scene was shot. Yep. And not included in the movie. And I love that it's not included in the movie. I agree. You don't need I don't that. need to see this scene. No. You don't need it and you don't we don't want it. No, I don't want it. You know what? They give us one line throughout the movie that tells us that exact opening scene, and it's everybody saying, I thought you were dead. Right. Done. Like, that's his backstory. He yeah. was in some shit, and people thought he died. And I love it. I love that that's how fast we can get to it. We can just get him We can get him um, arrested. We get them mentioning, maybe, like, what, what he had done in his past. But I don't need to flash back to that and see it. Right. I like just getting right into it. Like, okay, yeah, this guy's kind of, uh, is kind of a myth, a legend to me. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I am going to peel back the curtain a little bit for uh, for everybody, um, but we're not quite there yet. Okay, just on cool. his character, some just oh, some oh, um, awesome. character development. Okay, uh, just because I think it helps understanding his motivations in the movie, so uh, I'm going to share it. So, Dean, it's uh, it's lucky for Snake here that the National Liberation Front of America hijacks a small aircraft transporting none other than the president. And the plane goes down inside the wall. They crash it in there. The president, luckily, climbs into an escape pod. Actually, mm-hmm. it's more like a crash pod because it doesn't actually yeah. eject. It's like the the plane crashes and the, the pod just allows him to survive. I think he gets, like, pooped out of the plane at some point. Um, doesn't yeah, he get, like, sh- just, like, dropped? I think he gets, like, dropped out of the plane right before it's going to crash. No, I don't Oh, maybe. I don't know. Like the graphic that they showed looked like the plane just like hit a building. And as it went down, the pod was just still in the middle the whole time. Yeah, that is true. Yeah. Good point. I don't know. Not, 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 not anything we need to stick on here, but um, we need to he, figure this shit out, Tim. <laughs> we need to know if it's an escape pod or if it's in a, a it's a crash. It's a crash. Pod. It's a okay, crash, crash pod. pod. Okay. Okay. Go with crash pod. It looked like an egg. A big egg. It did look like an egg. Yeah. Um. Dean, he had a briefcase chained to one wrist and a locator attached to his other wrist. They showed mm-hmm. us that. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, the police are like, holy, holy shit, holy shit. 
we got to go get him. So the choppers lift off and they go to retrieve the president. Yeah, great idea. That's what you should do. They get to the pod, but the president is gone. Yeah, not in there. No, he's not there. But you know who is hanging around is one of these handsome looking locals. Yes, very handsome. Yeah, he comes over and he basically tells them to screw off or they're going to kill the president. Yeah, he's like a he's a little bit of a Peter Pan type looking guy. Oh, that's a great way to describe him. I couldn't really figure out how to describe that guy. But he's like Peter Pan if he stuck his finger in a light socket. Yes, stuck his finger in a light socket. Exactly. And like hadn't slept in a year. Right. Or bathed. Yeah. (laughs) Or yeah. Or bathed in a year. Yeah. And is on meth. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) I mean, he's got pretty good skin, though. (laughs) Yeah, I guess so. (laughs) (laughs) He's got light socket burnt skin. (laughs) Yeah. So uh, this this local also tells them that if they try to send anybody else in over the wall, they're also going to kill the president. Now, it's lucky that they have Snake Pliskin in their custody right now Mm. because Bob Hawk wants to meet with him and talk about the situation. So Bob Hawk, the police commissioner, and basically the man in charge of the wall, as we as we get to see, he's talking with Snake. And this is kind of where he's running down this real brief character description of, of yeah. who Snake is, right? Right. So, so we learned that Snake has a strong military background. He was in the Special Forces, but he went rogue and broke into the Federal Reserve, which is why he's on his way to prison right now. Yeah. It's because he got caught. Dean, as Snake is sitting there talking to Bob Hawk, I started thinking, like, it would have been really interesting if we were watching this kind of live at the time and had also followed Kurt Russell's career at Disney because ah. this is such a huge leap in character going from like 10 Disney roles into the role of Snake Plissken. Yeah. Um, I would have like liked to have been a fly on the wall and just kind of taken that all in at the time. Because it's interesting to hear them just lay out the background of how he was such a good guy and then he flipped it and is now and, and then is now being arrested. So you would. Have oh, you that think your... that that actually like fits I... with his, yeah. his 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 character in real life? Yeah, I think well, that, you would think like, who's this Disney? Like the Disney star. Oh. If you if you saw him right, and then you'd sit in the theater and you'd get all this stuff about him being this great guy, but then he's switched now and he's he's a bad guy. So maybe you would think, yeah, okay, I I buy that. Like he had this great Disney career and he he's flipped the switch. He's action star now. That's an excellent point. I didn't think of that. I didn't think of that either, Tim. You got me there. Well, you just that thought was teamwork. Of it. You did think of it. I didn't think of it before. It was teamwork. Know. But your brain conceived of it in the moment, so you did think of it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Dean, I'm going to do a bit of background on Snake here. Okay, cool. Okay, so I, I just feel like it helps with his motivations in the movie and kind of um, why his character is behaving the way that, that he is. Cool. Now, he received a Purple Heart for Bravery, one of the two he got, for a role in a campaign in Leningrad. But Leningrad turned out to be a deception by the U.S. So Snake felt betrayed by this. Mm. Now, Leningrad is also where Snake lost his eye. And the U.S. police force burned Snake's parents' house while they were in it. Fuck. So killed his parents. In 1993, so four years earlier, Snake teamed up in Kansas City with Harold Hellman... And Fresno Bob. I love that name, Fresno yeah, Bob. Yeah, Fresno Bob. <laughs> That's excellent. This Harold Hellman 
apparently let Fresno Bob and Snake get cornered by the police, and Fresno Bob was brutally tortured and killed by them. Oh, wow. It's because of this event that the criminal community believed Snake to be dead. Oh, okay, okay. It's it's a movie based on such a gray character, right? Like he is a criminal going yeah. into um, the prison, and he's really just doing things to free himself. Like it's all it's all selfish stuff. But like he's the hero of the movie. Like in, in no doubt in my mind, at any scene in the movie, am I like this guy's the fucking hero? No, oh, definitely. Yeah. So it's just yeah, it's a it's a cool it's a cool look on the character. So I like hearing that. Yeah. Bob Hawk offers Snake immunity if he'll help retrieve the president. And Snake is reluctant at first, but basically, like, he's on his way into the prison right now anyways. So you may as well just agree to the terms because it doesn't matter, right? Yeah, and I think before this, when they were, like, walking him down the hall, you hear, like, the the voice that says, like, no talking while you're getting processed. Uh, If you want to be cremated um, right now, you can can choose that. Like, you don't have to go into the prison. You can just get murdered there. You can just get killed and cremated. I wonder what what percentage just choose that. And I love that as the setup. Like, that is what we hear. I don't know. Like, it's a couple minutes into the movie. It's one of the first things we hear as that, like, incredible Carpenter score is playing. Um, We just hear this, that you can choose to just die if you want instead of going in there. Must be bad in there. Yeah, you mentioned Carpenter's score. He he is the one who scored the movie. Yeah, him and uh, him and his buddy um, Alan Howarth or something like that. Okay, uh, and it, it fucking rocks, man. I, like like I've been doing with all these movies, I've been rocking it all week, and it's so good. I I love it. I love Carpenter, and I love seeing Carpenter's name like four times in the opening credits. Oh, totally. Yeah, I really enjoyed the score for its uh, subtleness in this one. It was um, it wasn't like in your face. At no time, I think actually only one time did it really pop out to me, and it only popped out because I was like, "Oh yeah, the score is going on," but I'm not really noticing it. Yeah. Uh, so I, I in this movie, I appreciated it for like not being too intrusive. Yeah, and it it's it really like sets the tone for me, like or I guess the vibe. It sets the vibe of the movie in every spot that it's playing, and it, it like it has very similar spots to Halloween, and then it has very similar spots to Big Trouble. And it's like both of these times where it's like really scary. It kind of feels really a lot like Halloween when it's like getting a little more fun and kind of world building. It's more like big trouble. And I just loved that those two kind of in the same movie for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was very good. So Bob Hawk gives Snake 23 hours to get the president back. But Snake says they had talked about 24 hours. <laughs> so he's already like shaved an hour off of the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, him. yeah, totally. <laughs> but uh, Bob Hawk says, listen. In 22 hours, the Hartford Summit meeting will be over. China and the Soviet Union will go back home. The president was on his way to the summit when his plane went down. He has a briefcase attached to his wrist. The tape recording inside has to reach Hartford in 22 hours. So, again, they're just like summing up all this backstory and just giving it to us in a few sentences, right? Like not wasting very much time with it, just telling us exactly what we need to know uh it's really good we like like i mentioned with the saturday afternoon this is a movie you don't need to use your brain you can like check your brain at the door and just lie on the couch and veg out to this movie but it's fun that's a really good point you you yeah you don't need to be totally engaged with it to really be able to follow it but at the same time if you are totally engaged there's so many things to appreciate that's going on yeah. um 
and that that like wristwatch ticking clock like i am a sucker for anything i don't know why i'm a sucker for anything that has a countdown and i love starting a movie with a countdown and something we have to work towards but like is he saying that the president is just useless after this time like it just doesn't really like this is what really matters and if you don't get him after this like who fucking cares about that guy that is what he's saying he's saying if you don't retrieve him like this is this is the importance of the president right now is to like be a part of this summit and deliver this deliver what's on this tape which uh, we never really learn what's on this tape other than we know that it is in regards to uh, harnessing nuclear energy yeah right right yeah but yeah basically they're saying like if the president doesn't get to this summit then we really don't care because it's seems like far worse things are going to happen after that yeah and a president probably won't even matter so. right okay yeah that's something that stood out for me on this watch didn't like really understand this at all when i was a kid but like hawk has his own agenda here like it's like we need the president but only for this time i don't yeah. need him after this it's not just like this is the good guy and he's sending in this guy to go save the president like it's it, it's more detailed than that like each each character kind of has their own motivation in this moment. And I think Hawk is saying, you know, yeah, he's good in this time. And then I don't care anymore. It's an excellent setup for the ending. Yeah, totally. So snake has agreed and they give him the shot that places an explosive charge in his neck. That's going to go off in 23 hours and kill him. So if he doesn't make it back in time, he's dead. Dean, that's not very nice. No, it's not very nice. I thought this shit was going to be fake. I thought they like just faked him out. Totally. Uh, every time I watch it, I, I still think it's going to be fake. Even yeah. this last time I watched it, I was like, I think that's this is like a, a fake out. But yeah. uh, it's another movie I'm thinking of that uh, the fake out is in that I think yeah. just kind of like transitions into all these other types of movies that have a similar thing i always like revert to this other movie that it is actually a fake out right you're like is this the one is this the fake out one yeah snake he's not all that happy with the situation he tells bob hawk that when he comes back he's gonna kill him yeah awesome that's not very nice either though no i mean he's not a nice guy he's not a nice boy nobody's being exceptionally nice yet in this movie no, and like when they inject that thing into his in his neck, they just like double gun him, right? They got the two guns each side. That seemed like overkill right there. You just, why don't you just, just put one, one gun in one side? Yeah. Yeah. Like if you <laughs> blow one side of his neck off, he's probably, he's probably not going to make it. <laughs> probably not going to make it. Yeah. I don't know. He's Snake Plissken though. I don't know. Oh, he totally know. could make it. I don't know. Uh, they give Snake a glider. Uh, that thing's sneak, cool. It is cool to sneak in undetected. Now... I'm I'm very excited at this moment. Like it's a really cool idea, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, just kind of going into this prison, like all stealth, right? You're, they're dropping in like this super, this super military hero, and he's got his little stealth uh, glider, and he's getting past like their, um, you know, anybody who could detect him there. Yeah, and like we've already also set up that we love Snake and we don't like Bob Hawk very much, which is yeah. really interesting. That in you know maybe twenty minutes. You can. We know who the good guys are. We know who the bad guys are. But we're already cheering for the bad for the bad guy, and we don't like the good guy. That yeah, that's very true. That that is a very interesting setup. Uh, yeah, and it also I think it also sets up. Um, we're sending a bad guy who's spo- we're sending a guy who's supposed to be going into prison into this prison, and now we're going to be in there, and we know absolutely nothing about it. 
Like, I, I don't mm. know a single thing about that prison. And I like to be surprised just like Snake is. Snake doesn't know what to expect. And so he's going to be going into that prison. No idea what, just to know, just knows that he could have chose to die before he went in there. Um, and so I love that. that that's, that's what makes me so tense in this moment. And just like the anticipation is high. And I can't, I'm just super excited to see what comes next because we have no clue. There was no scene showing us like, really what was going on except for peter pan coming out and we're like okay that was one guy in this place and he looked bad <laughs> so i can't wait to see what we run into yeah exactly about that whole glider scene uh carpenter wanted the look of like high-tech 3d computer graphics as snake is flying in that glider mm -hmm. i'm not sure if you remember that scene but it's like it's for like sure. this, you can see the, the wireframe of the city yeah uh, they couldn't afford that though so they had to improvise so for, for those effects, the crew, they filmed the miniature model of New York that they had built under a blacklight and put reflective tape along the edge of each model. And then that ended up making this like real convincing simulated 3D effect. So oh, cool. I had never known that that was not 3D effects until reading that just recently. Wow. And like, it looks like 3D. Totally. I mean, I have a I have a background in 3D, and that that has fooled me every time. He did such a good job with it, but damn, dude, I pity uh, whoever was required to put the tape on every single edge. No kidding. Of the building to make it look three dimensional. Wow. There were wow, probably hundreds of little buildings in that shot. Uh, it's yeah. just really like. I'm like replaying it in my mind and trying to figure out how exactly that was in 3D. That's amazing. Isn't it incredible? Yeah, I'm going to look for that next time I watch it. That is really yeah. cool. It's Even knowing it, it's like, that looks damn good. Like, totally. It does not yeah. look like like that, like that. it wasn't 3D. So. That looked great. I didn't even second guess it yeah. at all. Like That looked great. Yeah, it was very cool. Uh, Snake lands on the edge of the World Trade Center so that he can drop off later with the glider and make his way out. Like he's at like the highest point in the city yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like we've talked about the setting before. It's just everything looks great now that he's in there. They show us like the full-sized crashed airplane that the president mm -hmm. was in, like on fire and like blown open. Yeah. Uh, it looks so great. It looks so great. You know what? Like there's so many parts of this movie where like when you say a $6 million budget, it's hard for me to imagine like how they pulled this all together like that crashed plane that exactly right there and like those 3d effects like i i mean you know cgi and computer graphics now are incredible you can do amazing things but to fucking pull off a movie in 81 must have been just fantastic to be on one of those sets and then go into the theater and see that final product and it looking real i just yeah. that, that would have been so much fun would have been cool the things they could pull off in 81 uh, amazing mm -hmm. yeah no kidding uh, Snake has a locator that he can track the president with, so he starts to follow that. And Dean, we find out that the prisoners have some culture. Oh, I love it, Tim. I, oh, I fucking love this. It's part. fucking great. Snake walks in on a musical in progress, and I it's love like it. it's not half bad. It's, like, it's pretty it, decent. Tim, that is the first thing we see. I like I told you, yeah. I'm so excited. I'm so like amped up to see what the violence and craziness of this city is going to be. And he walks into a theater. I'm so scared. And he walks into them putting on a Broadway musical. Of course they are. Why wouldn't they be? Why aren't they going to the theater and watching a show? It's amazing. I love it. 
Yeah, no one's going after them. They're all just like everybody's watching the, the show, right? Yeah, it, it's amazing. It's a great setup. I'll let you go into the next part where then immediately he goes into a rough, very rough, rough scene. And I love that that transition from like just take throwing me right off and being like, oh, cool. They have fun here too. I love it. And then going straight into like something very violent. Right. Yeah. So Snake finds the president's uh, transponder uh, in that area, but it's on a homeless dude. So shit, man. But. Yeah, and and when he's down there, when he's like in the basement, he's got a. This is where we first see like Snake fighting, yeah. and there's like three guys on me, just fucks him up. Like he, we're like, okay, yeah, he is good. He means business. That's the first time I've seen him fight, and he handled those guys no problem. Yeah, definitely. But that was very scary down there, like the darkness and sort of the things happening in the corner and in the shadows. Very scary. Yeah, definitely. Well, you're on edge all the time, right? Because any yeah. one of these guys could just turn on him and try to kill him. Yeah, because so. you know nothing about it. That's why you're on edge the whole time. I love it. Yeah. I love that we just don't get a scene of like the prisoners interacting before. Yeah. Yeah. So Snake, uh, like rightly so, thinks the president is dead and wants out. But Bob Hawk says, look, dude, you got 18 hours left. You may as well make use of it. So yeah. start looking. And Snake, he's like, uh, he's all dejected here, right? He's kind of like, well, this isn't really going the way I thought it thought Well, it totally. Would. He thought it'd be easy. Yeah. And he just like sits down to take a break. Yeah. <laughs> he's just like, oh, well, what the, what am I going to do now? What the hell? Totally. Yeah. And um, this weird guy, this one of the weird locals, he, he starts banging on sewer lids mm, and then a yeah. whole bunch of more weirdos start climbing out and then they all start running. So at this point, I'm just like, okay, there's some sort of like sewer weirdo run club that these yeah. guys are all involved in and it's just time <laughs> right. it's time for the run <laughs> right so they, it's run it's run time it's and they just all go running yeah. they just all run like they run yeah. past them and they, they just run it's cardio yeah they don't seem to care about them at all they're just they just get up and they go yeah snake he's looking for refuge um because those guys are they're definitely weirdos so I, mm. i'd want to get out of there too and he sees a store called Chalk Full of Nuts, and he kind of heads he heads into that store. And he has a brief interaction here with a girl who is actually Kurt Russell's wife at the time. No way. Season Hubley is her name. Yeah, they were married at this time. Okay, I could feel the chemistry. Yeah, no kidding, right? Dude. And I was like, and for a moment, I was like, oh, so super weird that this character is just like coming on to him right away. And then I was like, well, it's not that weird because he looks great. So maybe it's not that weird. And then I, but I could really feel it. I could really feel it between the two. Yeah, uh, she looked great too. And she did a great job, man. Oh, totally. I've, yeah. I've always loved that scene for some reason. It's only yeah. like, she's got a few lines. It's maybe 30 seconds long. But man, there was just something about it. Like it was something so interesting and strange about that yep. scene like just encountering this random woman and she like what's she doing there right like what did she do to get in into the prison and why isn't she dead and it was like so interesting i thought yeah she seems to know like a lot like obviously more than him he just got there but this like the scene's so good because she makes mention of his gun i think at this point so you know like i was thinking oh is it gonna be weird that he's in there with a gun do they just have guns in there she makes a mention of the gun she's the next she's the second person to say thought you were dead um and also it, one of my favorite visuals in the entire movie comes with her death or being captured whatever it is when the 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 gang coming out of the sewer or whatever comes through the floorboards and yeah. grabs her grabs her down i get such a zombie feel i get such a 
Um, like it's such a horror visual. It's like a horror movie, something out of a horror movie. Mm. Very Carpenter, just Definitely. those hands reaching up, grabbing her down. I love it. Yeah, yeah. Run Club had come back and they've like Run grab, Club, right? Run Club, yeah. <laughs> and uh, they're uh, they're they're after Snake now too. Um, by the way, I wanted to mention that the character in Metal Gear Solid uh, was based off of the character of Snake Plissken. So Solid Snake was like based on Snake Plissken. Could which totally, is, which is totally cool. understand that. Yeah, I actually, as a kid, wondered if that was a connection yeah. um, because I had seen this movie, New Snake, and then started to play some Metal Gear, Gear Solid, and I was, I, I could see that connection. But I obviously was in a, when I was a kid, I wasn't looking into that kind of stuff. So it's cool to right. hear that. Mm-hmm. The the whole plan here, basically, like Bob Hawk's plan, has gone to shit. Right. But now it's Snake's turn for for his own plan. Right. So it's kind of yeah. like um, following what Bob Hawk has laid out is no longer required. Let's just get into Special Forces Snake. Yeah. Right? And that's like a, that's a really good point that I never thought of. If he just goes throughout the whole movie following Bob Hawk's plan, like he might not seem so heroic in our eyes. He might not actually be the hero we learn to love. By the end, he's at, he's got to figure it out himself, and now it's just all him. I really love that switch. You're you're right. That's a that's a good moment. Mm-hmm. Yep. So we meet Cabby, who uh, is a character who wants to help him. Now Cabby lets him know that he knows the Duke, and the Duke Dean, the Duke is the big man. Yeah. All right. Duke's the man. You don't want to cross the Duke. No, he has the fucking the pre- rules, man. He, he has the president. Oh, shit. Uh, but you're not allowed to meet the Duke. Well, not that you're not allowed, but if you meet him, it means that you're dead. So you don't oh. re- you don't really want to meet him. No. But Snake is already dead. So he's got nothing more to lose. He does want to meet the Duke. Yeah. He's got to. I mean, you're right. Yeah, he's, he's got, got to. He's got he's this like... Got no he, choice. He's going to die. He's going to die. He's got a countdown clock. So got to get there. That's right. I like how they use the countdown clock in the movie. Like it's not over, it. overly used. Like he's not checking it uh, every like 10 minutes. Like you, they kind of show us it just enough. Um, I do have one beef with it. I'll get to later. Okay. But there, there are times where he's even checking it and they don't show us like the time on it. Yeah. Uh, which is great because I don't need this like digital countdown in my face all the time. Uh, so they, they played that very well. It's but, almost perfectly at spots where you forget about it and then they bring it back. It's almost perfect for that, where you just kind of, you, you forgot why we're in a hurry. And then he checks it and you're like, oh yeah, yeah, that's right. He's got the clock. And it's never like you have 20 hours left and then like you have 19 and a half hours left. Oh, no, 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 It's, it's, no, no, not, no, it's yeah. nothing like that ever. So it's, yeah. it's good. It's always big jumps and it's always, when he looks at it, you always get nervous about the time you see and it's like oh we're running out of time right so cabby takes snake to meet the brain and maggie now those two are such an amazing pair in this movie i just i love them like what a great great pairing tim totally they pop so hard in this movie they work so well uh they know the duke um better than cabby so like this is uh this is cabby's way of trying to connect snake to the duke I love that Snake's reputation outside of the prison has already made him friends inside of the prison, like just yeah. on reputation alone. So it's, it's really good because he needs some help, right? He's going to need some friends here. Now, Snake knows the brain. He calls him Harold Hellman, who I mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. Now, Snake says he's glad Harold remembers him. Like Snake is clearly pissed off here, but he offers to get brain out of the prison 
if he'll tell where the president is. Now, apparently the Duke has plans of his own to use the president to get out for himself. Yeah. But Snake lets them know here this whole, like, the president's life is only worth this much time. And right. after this amount of time, he's useless. So, right. He is actually the only one who knows that information, right? The Duke, the Duke's just going to, like, mess around with him and then use him to get out. He, he thinks he's valuable days, days to come. Right. So that's the piece of information that yeah. gets the brain moving on. OK, well, let's take Snake to meet the Duke because we actually need to get this information to him. Yeah, makes sense. Um, the, the brain's connection with the Duke basically is that uh, he helps him out with intelligence. You know, there's his his name, the brain. That's why he's got that. Yeah. Um, he like makes uh, gas gasoline for him. Right. Um, yeah. He's got other intel like. Uh, I think there's like some explosive explosive place around um, in certain areas and the brains kind of mapped all that stuff out. So mm-hmm. yeah, he kind of helps, helps the Duke out. Now they're on their way to see the Duke and the Duke kind of comes across them. They're like uh, in the streets and the Duke yeah. rolls past in his caddy and he's got two chandeliers on the front of his caddy. Yeah. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good look, eh? Like that? <laughs> yeah. It's a good look. It's a strange look. It is a strange look, but the, yeah. the the Duke is out looking for Brain. Snake ends up stealing one of the gang's cars, and their whole group escape. Yeah, Tim, do you want to get to what the Duke is looking for? Why he's looking for Brain? Uh, go ahead. So he's looking for Brain has maps of the bridge. Um, there's like a bridge that can get you to the wall that they're going to have to scale to get out but yeah. the bridge is lined with mines mine yeah. and brain has a map of where all the mines are because somebody who went out <laughs> to go across the bridge was able to like draw a map and tell them exactly where they all are so that's right. very valuable if you want to get out you got to get past that bridge um snake and the group they get cornered though because there's this blockade of cars three across and three high uh, Snake doesn't care. He smashes his way through the car in the middle at the bottom. And for some reason, like the car at the top left comes flying off at the same time. Yeah, weird. <laughs> like you could tell that the two were like tied together. Right. And right. when one got one, when the bottom one went, the top one got pulled as well. That's it just made great, no yeah. sense. But yeah, I guess they're, they're just like, let's smash some cars. Look cool, though. It did look cool. Snake and their crew kind of see the Duke off in the distance again and go to engage like they still need to talk to the duke brain and maggie they distract kind of up front once they get to the duke while Mm -hmm. snake kind of sneaks in the side oh yeah we get to see the president here for the first time after being captured yeah now donald pleasant who's playing the president dean he was actually a prisoner of war of germany in the second world war no way and, and was using that for inspiration in this character yeah oh wow Cool. So, like, I, I, who knows what you'd feel like, but there were a oh, couple man. moments where I was like, man, he's maybe playing it a bit different than I would expect someone to play it. Um, yeah. But it was kind of because he'd been there already and kind I of was knew, thinking knew some too. shit we didn't know. I was thinking that too, Tim. I was thinking there's, there's parts in his performance that seem a little off and strange. So to hear that, it's like, man, that's fucking heavy because maybe yeah. he just like, maybe that is how it is. Mm hmm. So Snake comes in, he uh, kills a dude, frees the president, and I'm thinking, perfect, like he's got lots of time, uh, it's time to escape, you know, we're going to get out with the president, movie's over. 
but they don't get very far because there's more locals that they kind of tangle with. And they have amazing punching sound effects in this movie. Oh, yeah, they do. I notice here also that the locals are kind of just grabbing whatever clothing garbage they can find and just mm-hmm. putting outfits together. Because <laughs> they, totally, yeah. they all look really <laughs> strange. Like, oh, yeah. Just whatever you can find, you just grab it and put it on. Yeah, and that's where I get very like Mad Maxy feels, where it's yeah. just like, I don't really know how this works. I don't know how this city works, this prison city, but I'm sure like they've they know what they're doing. <laughs> like I'm sure like those costumes, they put that that person made those specific selections and I was wearing that for a reason. Yeah, this is definitely like the the weird part that the yeah. studios had problems with, like oh yeah, this yeah. type of stuff, but it's it's what makes this movie feel so so interesting. Yeah, totally. And I would say like maybe for me as a kid, that's why I wasn't drawn to it as like my favorite Russell and Carpenter because it's kind of strange. But like as an adult now, I'm absolutely in love with this movie. Mm-hmm. So we finally meet the Duke. Now, Isaac Hayes, who plays the Duke, he was flown in for a single day of shooting for this role. Wow. And had incredibly damaged knees at the time and could barely walk. Wow. But, but still like just agreed to do the role and if if you kind of watch it knowing that he is mostly always seated he's always seated until the end when there's a bit of a fight scene and uh, i was like uh, oh i think like snake tackles him at one point and i'm like oh shit dude like that guy's knees are blown out like leave him alone and you can kind of see like knee braces coming through the jeans oh man oh, yeah no. i felt bad for that when he got tackled yeah. i kind of felt bad for him at the end there but yeah, um, the, the Duke is another great character um, that you just like you don't really see it done like this. Now, if you have an action movie like today, it's you know, it's two and a half hours long because they got to set up the villain. They got to set up exactly every one of his motivations and why he would do the things he does. They got to set up Snake at the beginning of the movie. They got to show you that backstory, why he's being captured, why he's going in there. And you waste all this time now, like for, for back in 81 for this movie. I love how quick it gets to things and how quick we get through it. We know Duke is in charge of, like, the prison. I don't need to know his motivations. Like, just boom, this is a menacing guy, and you don't want to cross him. You don't want to fuck with him, because if you meet him, you're dead. That's all I need to know. You know what this would be nowadays? This would be um, a 10-episode series on Netflix, and it would blow, because they draw out everything. Yeah, totally. Those, yeah, exactly. 10 episodes. Yeah, exactly. Way too long, drawing out everything. I don't need it. And like, I like some of those two and a half hour action movies. I do. Like, I like Mission Impossible movies. They're long and they set up the villains and they set up the heroes and I like them. But this movie, there's something about this movie that you just don't see anymore that's special. Yeah. Just getting right to it and you get more of a vibe of the movie. When I know everything about every character, that's a different feeling. Like, I, I'm feeling... I'm feeling connected to characters, but this movie's all about a, like a, a vibe and I, I, it's just a great world. Yeah, definitely. So we learned that the Duke is an excellent shot because he's got the president tied up to a wall and he's shooting all around him. And there's like 10 bullet holes, all that have just missed. It's and very that, impressive. It is impressive. And he shoots one more time and blows open the briefcase that the president has on his wrist still. And a bunch of papers fall out. So And his shooting um, is like goofing off shooting. Yeah. Like he's not even like, he's not aiming it like really, really like strategically or whatever. Try to hit that spot. Try to get really close. He's kind of like. It's not, he's shooting from the hip really. He's shooting from the hip. Yeah. He's shooting on top of his foot. He's just letting it fly. Yeah. Um, so um, 
when those papers fall out, the, that cassette tape falls out and one of the locals picks it up. Um, so the Duke now has the president and he has Snake. And the uh, the Duke strikes up a deal with Bob Hawk for the president. But uh, Brain and Maggie kill some of the locals to free the president, who also himself here has been outfitted with a nice blonde wig. Yes, so they, the, the locals are they're nice. They're like this. We want this guy to fit in. He Let's does look better. Yeah, dress him up a bit like us and give, they yeah. give him a blonde wig. Totally. And I like the scene for Brain. I like Brain having his own agenda. Um, there's a lot of there's a lot of characters who are doing their own thing in this movie. Not just it's not just like Snake either wins or the Duke wins. It's one or the other. It's, there's these other characters. There's a Brain who also wants to get out of there and knows that the president is his way out. So fuck, I'm going to go get the president and get myself out of here. It's very true. There's like not a lot of allegiances, like strong allegiances going on. It's just like, what can I do to get myself out of here? I will jump to whatever side I need to, to do it. And the president is the way out. For everybody, that is the way out. Of course. Now, Snake is in a wrestling ring with a cage around it, and he's getting ready for a fight. He's fighting a giant dude who literally looks at least three times the size of Snake. Yes, and again, I love this. I love the setup to this. Like, just they just start walking him down. They walk him up to a ring. He gets in a ring, and we're like, okay, I guess he's gonna fight someone. And I bet it's huge. I bet that guy's yeah, huge. The guy's gonna look. The guy's gonna be huge, and he's gonna be ugly, right? You know that's <laughs> yeah. coming. So this guy that he's fighting, his real name is Ox Baker, and he was a professional wrestler and actor. His finishing move in wrestling was called the Heart Punch. Nice. <laughs> and his tagline was, "I love to hurt people." <laughs> <laughs> i feel like he could have said that in the movie he could have said i love to her baby oh they should have yeah. thrown that in they should have thrown that in it's great it's great yeah he actually roughed up the stunt double pretty good okay and the stunt double had some encouraging words for kurt of good luck <laughs> awesome <laughs> and apparently um ox hit kurt for real a few times oh, and no. kurt had to ask him to take it easy yeah. by grabbing his balls <laughs> okay i mean that'll do it right squeezing them a little bit yeah that would do it 100 percent. i feel like that's a little bit of snake coming out in kurt yeah yeah true i like it now it's a really great fight scene like it is good the the two guys have um they have garbage can lids as shields they have baseball bats with nails in them and eventually snake gets the upper hand uh clobbers this guy in the balls with the uh the nail bat and then hits him in the back of the head with it. Amazing, yeah. Which was easily the most graphic part of this movie. And, you know, the most disturbing for me when I, every time I see it. And I feel like that was pretty, pretty graphic for 81, that scene. For sure, yeah. That one sticks out for sure. There's another one coming later that sticks out to me too. And I would say they're both pretty close. But um, yeah, that nail bat in the back of the head, it, it also looks pretty it looks real real yeah like, like that's why it's know. so disturbing yeah that is i was trying to watch it this time and see like when the switch comes where he's like slamming the bat into the back of a dummy it's hard to tell yeah it, it looks really real yeah it, it's pretty disturbing yeah. um when i'm watching this fight and i'm getting into it i start to think like every single person in this city a lot of them are at this fight right now 
And it's like, why didn't you just kill Snake if you like are so worried about him? And it's like, it's because it's their pay-per-view event. They got Snake Pliskin. Put him up against uh, the the big ox guy. <laughs> like, let's let's have a fight. Let's have some entertainment. The other guy's going to destroy him. The other guy's going to kill him. Let's just have some entertainment. Well, Dean, the first thing we learn once we get to the prison is that they like entertainment. They love right? entertainment. There, exactly. There's, there's um, a theater act going on, yep. right? So they love it. I love it. Yeah, it's so good. It's great. It's a great moment in the movie with this fight. Like, I'm mm. I'm on the edge of my seat just like all of them are. Like, Yeah, now when uh, when Snake wins, they all start cheering for him. All the people are cheering. Now, Snake heads out. He goes to the top of the World Trade Center to try to get to his glider. He just mm-hmm. wants to get out of here now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the locals are already up there. They've cut the glider loose. The glider falls off the wall. Brain and Maggie are up there with the president. They're trying to get to the glider. And Brain, this is where Brain says that he thought Snake was dead already. Right. So lots of people saying that to him. Now, Snake and the group, they escape the World Trade Center. They get picked up by Cabby. And somehow Cabby's come up with this tape of the presidents from the briefcase. I found that a little bit too convenient that Cabby had that tape. But whatever, I'm willing, well, I'm willing did, to let it go. But didn't you see how he got it? Oh, maybe I just missed it then. Did you he... you missed it. You missed it. So the um, Peter Pan grabs the tape out of the briefcase because he knows yeah. that Cabby has a tape player in his car because Cabby has a bunch of tapes. So he knows that he can trade Cabby that. And then later on in the movie, Peter Pan's wearing Cabby's hat. And oh, Brain, Brain right. says, where did you get that hat? And he said, I traded for it. So that's oh. why Brain that's why Brain knows Cabby has the tape because he knows what he traded for it. Okay, nice pull cuz I totally remember that guy wearing that hat and just yeah. not even like noticing it but not really considering what what that was from. And that's also a point in the movie where it like I I just love the world that he's created because you see you see that guy go grab the tape and you're like okay, he knows that that's important, but he's grabbing it cuz he wants a hat. <laughs> like right. he likes this other guy's hat and trade. he knows he can trade for it. So I love that. Yeah, so good. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Um so at this point we see Snake look at his his watch there and he's down to 23 minutes left. Oh, fuck that. It's getting it's getting down to it. That's right. So Snake is driving them all to the wall via that bridge you were talking about Mm -hmm. and the duke is kind of like hot on their ass he's a little bit further behind but he's on the bridge as well chasing them down now this is the bridge that's full of the mines and brain is directing them in the back using this map and he tells snake to swerve but snake was checking his watch for how many minutes he had left and doesn't react in time cool and they hit a mine and for some reason the car just explodes like clean in half, like it was cut in, cut in half with a saw. <laughs> right down the fucking middle, and only somebody in the front seat died. <laughs> just, I'm not going to question it. It's just nope. cars don't explode that way. But That's how cars used to work in the uh, in the 80s, Tim. Yeah. Taxi cabs in the 81, they were made in two pieces, and oh, they right. were glued together in the middle. And so if a bomb went off, they would split in half. Right, it's to separate the driver from the, 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 <laughs> yeah, paying, exa- the paying patrons. Exactly. Uh, and yes, unfortunately, we lose Cabby here. And then shortly after that, Dean, we lose the brain, who was apparently reading his map incorrectly. Now, this is what I like that you called out to before. That someone, you said someone gave that map or sold that map to the brain? Yeah. Well, do you know what that guy's plan was? It was that he gave this map knowing that he had made it incorrectly. 
knowing totally. that whoever was going to get this map, if they yeah. tried to use it, was going to get killed because the brain is reading the map and uh, the other people like Maggie and Snake are actually going the wrong way. And he's yelling at them. He's like, no, go left, yeah. go left with me. Um, and he goes left. He goes the right way. They go the wrong way and he blows up. So there was a mind there. And I really think that's cool. I didn't totally really pick up on that before. I was kind of like, why would the brain go the wrong way and, and yeah. die like that? But he got set up by the guy who gave him that map. So that's, that's yeah. cool. You're in this city where everything is based on trade, right? Like doesn't, doesn't snake even like pull out a cigarette at some point. And then it might even have been in the, when he was with that woman in, uh, in that shop. And she's like, this is a real one. You must've just got in or something like that. Yeah, it was just before that when he was like sitting okay. down. He was sitting yeah. down, kind of like contemplating why, what to do now. Yeah. So everything in this, everything in this whole city is based on trade. So Brain got this map from someone. They prop Brain gives people lots of things. He gives them gasoline and stuff. They probably like maybe Brain was like, okay, yeah, like he went and he mapped all the mines. That's worth this amount of gas. And why would it be real? Why wouldn't that guy just make it up to get his gas? Well, it was real for a while. It will totally he was, like he was no, making definitely. the right calls, but then as it yeah. got down to the end, uh, it wasn't. You know, he had yeah. that one that one in there to get like to kill yeah. whoever. You know, just probably to you. kill to kill you kill that person, yeah. and then guess what? You can do now. You can sell a brand new map to the next person who wants it. Right? Definitely. Yeah, and it just yeah it just shows you that everything in this city is you have to trust someone else to be able to get far, like to be able to get to the next step. Yeah. So Maggie uh, is heartbroken and decides to stay with Brain's body and basically just start shooting at Duke when he uh, when he comes driving up. Duke just smashes right into her, uh, pins her between, you know, his car and another car and just gets out and keeps going on foot. So we lose Maggie there. Dude, Duke plowing Maggie over here. That's the one that got me. I had to rewind it and watch it again. I was like, oh, fuck. That's like they got obviously got a dummy set up, but that car rams into that dummy. And it, oh, it looks, at first I didn't even catch it. Like I didn't even catch that she was in the shot. I just thought cars kind of crashed. Oh, it looks bad. And then they shoot, like put the camera on her lying on the ground with all the pool of blood. It was, it was a little heartbreaking. I kind of liked her moment there. And I thought like if she took out the Duke here, I'd be really happy. That could have been just fine. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Bob Hawk is told that Snake is on the bridge with the president and... Bob Hawk is holding the largest military radio I have ever seen in my life. Dude, did that it startle thing is you? Fucking huge! Yeah, I was, like, I was startled. Was the, I, I, that's another point where I rewound. That thing is so big. It was like it was like a giant clown shoe. Bigger, even I, bigger. I, it was I, thicker. I, the, what I could come up with was like you know in, in Baywatch they have those like red life saving buoys. It was that. It was yeah. like if he put that up to his <laughs> ear, but it was black and had a wire coming out of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, totally. That's exactly what it was. <laughs> so, Snake and the president get to the wall. They drop a line down, and they pull the president over. And the Duke just starts shooting up guards when he arrives. Yeah. Um, and Snake hears him shooting and kind of hides. Then Snake sneak attacks him, which then gives Snake enough time to run to the line as it's getting dropped down again. And he gets pulled up like halfway and then it stops. And the Duke thinks he's got his chance here to kill Pliskin. Right. When the president just guns down the Duke and is thoroughly enjoying it. Yes. Two things. Love that 
the president gets this moment. Like, I don't love the president in this movie, um, but uh, he he's been tortured this entire time. Sort of every time we see him, someone has been fucking with him. Someone's been messing with him. I like that he just has this moment where he just lets it loose, kills the Duke. Second thing I really like, they actually dropped the line for Snake. Love that. Yes. I love that we're not just like doing the thing where Hawk's on the top of the bridge and he's like, nope, sorry, later. So next time snake like i i just would hate that i would hate if that was what he what what hawk was all about yeah definitely so snake is um over the bridge now and rushing as fast as he can to get this explosive device neutralized uh and they say they'll do it as soon as he hands the tape over so he hands over the tape and they neutralize it and he looks at his watch and he's got one second left now this is the one moment with the watch that i did not like i hear you don't give us one second. No. Okay, Make because, it like five minutes. Like, yeah, because one second fuck? is not believable, no. right? Um, whatever, like one minute, five minutes, ten yeah. minutes. You get the same effect. You get like this guy had 23 hours and he's down to the wire here. But one second is just a little bit too much. But Even if there's five minutes on that clock, you think we're just going to be sitting here at home and be like, oh, fuck, you have five minutes. It's not even like it wasn't even close. It wasn't even I'm not even nervous about yeah, it. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, totally. No, you're going to be nervous about it. That's very close. Right. So the president is going to join the summit right where he's at. They've got cameras on him. They're putting makeup on him. And Snake goes over to him. And the president just says, like, anything I can do for you, you just let me know. And and Snake says, I just want a moment of your time. So uh, the president's like, how long do we have? And the guy's like, uh, you got three minutes. So he's like, okay. And Snake says, um, we, we got you out, but a lot of people died. How do you feel about that? And the president just gives this like bland response. Uh, he says that he wants to thank them and the nation appreciates their sacrifice. Yeah. Uh, so that does not sit well with Snake. He doesn't say anything. He just turns and walks away and he is walking past Bob Hawk. He sees him and says, I'm too tired to kill you. Maybe later. Nice great that was good yeah nice little moment there yeah. uh but bob hawk uh offers snake a job and snake tells him to call him pliskin yeah which is not something we've touched on but the whole movie people are calling him pliskin and yeah, he yeah. says call me snake nice and nice. this guy calls him at the end calls him snake and he says call me pliskin so yeah. he's like he's inside with all the, the criminals and he's like you guys can call me snake because we're kind of buddies Back on the outside, he's like, you're not my friend. You call me Pliskin. Totally, totally. And this is, so. an, this is another thing that I love in movies. Um, not really sure why. I haven't really dug into why I like it. But I like when the one side, when they're kind of enemies, and one of the sides just says, we should work together. And like I, I like it when it's, when it's going to be presented in a way that the side we like is going to decline it. Um, yeah. Like, well, we like Snake, and we know Snake's going to be like, you know, fuck you. I'm not doing that. And I, I don't know why. Maybe it like just reinforces that he's done a great job like i thought he did a great job this movie so it just reinforces that he he did it like bob hawk who hated him at the beginning wants to join forces with him now yeah he had told him he did a great job and that they could do a lot of good together so yeah he, he wanted to but i mean the, the way that snake sees it is they're not doing good right no they're not they're totally not yeah uh, another interesting thing is everybody in the movie who says uh to snake that i thought you were dead they all die. Every single one of those characters dies. In Interesting. Yeah, I think there's maybe five, four or five of them. Yeah. Yeah. Now, the president is on camera. 
he presents the tape in the hope that their great nations may learn to live together in peace. And they turn the tape on, and some old swing music starts playing as we see Snake walking away, ripping apart the real cassette. Hmm. And that's the end of our movie. Yeah. Fucking great. Excellent. Excellent, Excellent. ending there. Um, where the whole time they've kind of been uh, positioning how important this summit is and what the president has to say. And Snake gets control of it at the end and basically says like, well, F you all and what you're trying to do uh, because it's not right. And I've got control in this situation and I'm destroying like what you guys think is is right here so yeah and the greatest part about it is that we had that small scene where he went to talk to him he went to say you know what do you have to say about these these other people that helped saved your life if the president gives a different answer in that situation i think he gives him the real tape definitely he was testing uh the president there for sure so that's fucking great because again we love snake at this point and so if we get to that part and we he doesn't have that conversation with him he just rips up the tape in the background i feel a little bit like he's an enemy like or at least a little bit like he's oh maybe he's not as good as i thought but having that moment where he gets to talk to him um that just proves it that this guy's going to make the right decisions um he he's in this he's in this spot where he's going to be thrown into prison but this is the hero we thought he was yeah. Uh, one final thing I noticed was that um, I, I only have the DVD copy of this, but I watched I watched widescreen DVD. It looks fantastic. It's mm-hmm. excellent. But the cover of the DVD, it's this iconic cover of uh, Snake kind of kneeling down with like the uh, destroyed New York and the Statue of Liberty head and everything. He's got a uh, cobra tattoo on his arm. But in the movie, the cobra tattoo is oh, on yeah. his stomach. Yeah, it's on his stomach. So yeah, it's not, it's kind of, I don't know why they Interesting. did that. Interesting. Yeah, not, probably I have just that, for effect. Uh, but yeah, I have that DVD too. Uh, that's I have the same uh, the same cover. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Probably probably just so you can see it on the cover, right? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Just I mean, they just drew it out that way, and it was like this is probably going to be the most powerful. So let's do it this yeah. way. Yeah. Uh, Dean, one last thing to do. This is our what if, all right, the segment where we just like to throw something out there and kind of riff on it a little bit. Like, what if this happened? What if that happened? Uh, it's our safe safe place. And we're not trying to make anything better. We're just trying to talk a little, a little something, something for fun. Yeah, it's not our New York prison. It's a safe space. That's right. Yeah. That's, well, some might argue that that is a safe space as well. Ooh, ooh. It's like the Broadway theater. Yeah, that's right. In That's the New York prison, yeah. Yes, well, well done. Now, Dean, what if the ending of this movie was a bit different? Hmm. Explain. First of all, I love the ending. Mm-hmm. This is definitely not a better ending, but it might be a little bit different, and I wonder what it would be like. I kind of enjoy when the guys on the good side, when they get trapped in the situation, they place the bad guy in at the beginning. So in this, in this situation, I'm talking about Bob Hawk. Now, what if Bob Hawk gets placed on the other side of the wall at the end? So this whole time, he forced Snake to go inside and do his bidding for him. What if at the end, let's say Pliskin just punches him over the wall or something like that, 
and Bob Hawk is now stuck in this environment that he previously had control over. Mm. So it wouldn't really change much yes. other than the fact that the movie ends with Bob Hawk over the wall. Now, right. sure, like they could have, um, you know, you could argue they drop a wire down and pull him back up. But more interestingly, what what if um, the Duke's men or something grab him and they actually make off with him? Yeah. Uh, what do you think that does? Okay, I got a couple thoughts. Um, the snake, like, so it would have to be like snake kind of tossing him over the wall, putting him in there. So he says when I next when I come back, I'm going to kill you. So it would have been interesting yeah. if at that point he doesn't say I'm tired, but actually like shoves him over the wall or something. Very true. Um, I like it uh, less for Snake's character. I like where I end up with Snake's character. I still feel like he was I feel like he's he makes like sort of the right. Um, I feel like he makes the right choices in very gray situations like he makes choices that are like true to himself and what he believes in and sometimes that might be against the law and i feel like that's what i get from him and i think when he says i'm too tired at the end he's really just like i mean it's not in my character to kill you right now so i think him throwing him over the wall it it puts a little bit of a negative light for me on snake that i don't like at the end but what I do like at the end, I like Bob Hawk getting his. So I like him being in the prison and then having them like having maybe the rest of uh, the rest of the Duke's guys grabbing him and taking him in. I like to see that. I like I like because of the, some of the decisions Bob Hawk made like during the movie. I like to see him getting put him in there and have him try to get himself out of there because he was just right. expecting so much out of Snake. I like him in a tough spot and like, you know how hard it was in there. This is how hard it was in there. So I almost want both. I want him to be in there, but I want snake to not be the one that puts him there. I think with a bit of foresight and if they were looking to make a a more immediate sequel, I think it could have been really interesting if, if Bob Hawk gets tossed over there and then becomes the power on the inside. And maybe great, (laughs) whatever has to happen, but you know, maybe snake goes back or, whatever but he's the guy and he becomes the new duke right yeah um that could be interesting that is interesting i feel for me in the movie bob hawk is a mouth he's not a he's not a doer he's like he's just got the mouth he's given the orders um so when if he's actually put in the situation he's gonna crumble yeah and and i would i kind of want to see it like now that you bring it up i I don't want to see snake throw him over but i kind of want somehow him to end up inside that wall and just know how hard it was because he's always riding he's always riding snake for like you know being like not doing a not doing a good job and being behind at the end he was fine right because the he actually accomplished it so at the end he was nice to him but i want to see him in that and i want to see him behind those walls that could be cool again i like the ending they went with better but just uh that's our what if yeah all right dean thank you for joining this week yeah again tim thank you for having me on you're welcome. Um, I might have you back again. Oh, great. Thank All you. Right. I, I will come back anytime. Great. Thanks, everybody, for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Have you been wondering where's the beef? Well, on our podcast, Throwback Trivia Takedown, you might just find that out, as well as some other things about the 70s, 80s, and 90s. 
We're a nostalgic-based trivia show that pits two challengers head-to-head in a duel of the decades, with categories ranging from movies, TV and music, to slang, food, and fashion. You're sure to get the best in retro-themed trivia. So strap on your jelly shoes, grab a surge, and walk like an Egyptian to your favorite podcast app and check out Throwback Trivia Takedown. I heard even Mikey likes it. That's it for another episode. Thanks to everyone for listening. If you'd like to drop us a line, we'd love to hear from you. You can find us at Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter as TalkBackPod, or by email at TalkBackPod at gmail.com. Also, please leave us a review on iTunes. Those reviews will help more people find Talking Back. All right, that's it. We're done.